This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claygood and Cooper Linton, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here, along with Nicole Claggett with Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you? I'm great. Glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. And we, we've we dubbed him the Donut Fairy, Cooper Linton with <laughs> Transitions Life Care. Cooper. How are you, sir? You know, I'm actually more probably excited about the Donut Fairy title than I should even admit. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty pretty stoked about that one. Well, you, uh, you you gave away someone's donut to someone else, so you made one person very happy, but another person kind of distraught. Life is really about the transfer of wealth sometimes. Mm-hmm. We talk about this on the show. Sometimes one's wealth <laughs> is, in fact, a jelly donut. Well, that, that's true, and I can think of no, no higher form of wealth than a, a jelly donut. But it, uh, the news is that if, uh, if you thought hanging out with Cooper was great already. Now you have a, a, even more reason to hang out with him because you may get a free donut out of it. Or I may take yours and give it to somebody else. True, true. Yeah. You're yeah. rolling the dice when Let, you hang out let's with not get Let's not get too confident. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's get into tonight's topic. And, you know, when we, when we talk about care and long-term care, we think, uh, you know, no one says, man, I'm really, really looking forward to going to a hospital at some point. I'd like to have an extended stay at a hospital. You know, most people don't think that way. They want to stay at home. And when we think about home care, uh, there's there's a big world out there and there's there's lots of options. So we're going to kind of hone in on that tonight. So I, I think there's one of the things we hear most from families, and this is repeated in surveys all across the country. The number one thing that patients or clients or family members want is to be at home. And there's actually a lot of rationale for that. One, home is often safer. Uh, generally speaking, whether or not the food is better or not, it's the food that you're used to eating and you like it. There's also a reality that the the bugs at your house, I don't mean the creepy crawlies, but I do mean the microorganisms that you might be exposed to in a hospital or in a nursing home are different. You're used to what's at your house. You have an immune system set up for that. Uh, you, most of us don't get that sick at our house, but if you go to the hospital, you have a reasonable chance of being exposed to something you didn't want to catch. We all know where that's happened. So there's some safety issues in the home. There's also some things about homes that are less safe that have to be addressed. There's less help and support in homes. And so in order to keep someone at home or get them from a an acute environment back home and stay at home, and I think that's the key piece, it's a lot easier to get somebody home than it is to keep them home. We need to look at what are the home and community-based supports that we can wrap around folks. We talk a lot about hospice, we talk a lot about home health, but we don't always talk about something that seems a little more boring in some people's minds, and that's home care or private duty care. And I think we need to explore that this evening. I think there's a lot of confusion about home care out there. Uh, Folks just automatically assume that it's something that's paid for by their Medicare, they assume that, or their Blue Cross Blue Shield plans, and You know, along with all the entire continuum of care, people just make the assumption that they don't really have to plan in advance for how they're going to pay for these things. But the reality of it is, when you get older and you get a chronic condition, a lot of this is going to come out of your pocket. Well, Medicare does relatively little for chronic care. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is an acute model. It pays for trips to the hospital. It pays for physician engagement, physician visits. It pays for 
rehab time in a nursing home, but it doesn't pay for custodial care in a nursing home. It pays for rehab or what they call skilled care at home through the home health model, but that is by its very definition intermittent and short term. So when you start looking to your point at custodial care or chronic care in the home, Medicare doesn't have a benefit for that. And I worked for home care for a number of years, actually worked with our guest that's going to be on today. And I think a lot of people don't understand what custodial care means. And so these are things that we're talking about are are typically known as your activities of daily living, things like bathing, dressing, um, uh, meal preparation, uh, laundry, laundry, clean clothes and a hot meal. Exactly. These are things that folks need assistance with on a day-to-day basis in order to maintain their independence. Well, sometimes independence is as simple as reminders. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, hey, it's 10 o'clock. Don't you have some pills you need to take? You don't necessarily need someone who's administering the medication. We talk about that medication administration. Not everybody needs medication administration, but they do need a reminder that it's 10 o'clock and you need to take your insulin. Uh, Or just a little guidance and safety, a helping hand navigating the home. We're not talking about rehab. We're just talking about a little help to be sure that you're not going to stumble as you're going through the living room. And I think there's been quite the revolution along the continuum of care. You know, in the last 20 or so years, I've been in this industry where folks are realizing that sometimes it just takes a little support to help that person maintain their independence. Even insofar as, you know, when folks move into independent living communities, they're realizing, the owners of these companies are realizing, gee, you know, the only reason why Mrs. Smith has to move from an independent living to an assisted living facility is because she forgets to take her medications, and so she's falling. Or she perhaps needs a bath once a week, or maybe she needs a reminder that it's time to go for a meal. And if we provide that support, they don't need to go to that higher level of care. And it's really Mm cost-effective. And so one of the things we hear from folks is, oh, home care is not paid for by Medicare. Private duty care is not paid for by Medicare. Therefore, it's incredibly expensive. Well, incredibly expensive compared to what? Mm -hmm. Uh, If the idea is that I've got to leave my home, I have to go live somewhere that I may not want to live, and in an environment in which I don't want to live, maybe the trade-off financially just isn't such a big deal after all. And so I think sometimes we look at the price of something as if it's the price versus zero. And it's not usually versus zero. It's the price versus the alternative. And rarely in healthcare is the alternative to absolutely do nothing. And it's also the price of peace of mind. You know, we have a lot of family caregivers who uh, are just incredibly busy. We talk about this on the show all the time. And a lot of folks that don't even live in the area. So if perhaps they can put some supports in the home for that individual, they actually can be the son or daughter and not be the person constantly running their loved one here, there, and everywhere and actually doing that physical care. So what I'd like to do right now is totally contradict myself, if mm-hmm. I can. I said just a moment ago that Medicare doesn't pay for chronic care. And for those listeners that uh, recall that every fall we bring on the folks uh, from the state health insurance plan, or excuse me, the t- state health information uh, insurance ship. plan. SHIP. It's called <laughs> SHIP, and it's a, it's a little bit complex, but they essentially help people navigate picking the right Medicare program. Remember that we have Medicare, and we think about Medicare like it's one thing, but in reality, it's not. There's traditional Medicare, sometimes called fee-for-service Medicare, or as a colleague of mine sometimes says, Fend for self Medicare. <laughs> um, 
there is also a growing number of Medicare Advantage plans, sometimes known as Medicare Substitute plans, also known as MA plans, because we would not want to go through a show without an acronym. I'm thinking, wow. Yeah, so (laughs) MA plans, Medicare Advantage plans, are substitutes for traditional Medicare. And two months ago, there was an announcement by... The U.S. government. Drum who, roll, please. Drum roll. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just can't do a drum roll. Um, there is an, was an announcement that Medicare Advantage plans are going to be permitted in the future to cover home care. So we said earlier, Medicare doesn't cover chronic care. But what they're doing is giving these Medicare Advantage plans permission that they could choose to cover home care, and help with some chronic conditions if they chose to. They've liberated some of these plans. And and in our area, we have about a third of all Medicare recipients on a Medicare Advantage plan. So this could apply to as many as one out of every three of the Medicare recipients in our listenership. That's huge. That's huge. That's a big change. And of course, we'll continue to uh, provide more information about that as well. And we will continue our conversation on home care right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights and Cooper Linton from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you that you can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. That's transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Cooper Linton and Nicole Cleggett, and we're talking all about home health this evening and, uh, and home care. And Cooper, uh, you've brought in a guest this evening, and you're, you're already down one point because you gave away his donut. And let's see if you're going to be down two points as you introduce him with his name here. You know, I uh, deeply appreciate the total absence of any confidence <laughs> that you have in me, Jason, uh, as, as well-deserved as that absence may be. Uh, we are really we, – we try and bring people on the show who have a unique expertise um, and a unique depth in certain subjects – and so Nicole and I will talk about certain concepts like we did with the introduction around home, home care and private duty care. But we actually have the owner and president of HomeWatch Caregivers of the Triangle, um, who is sometimes known simply by his first name, Anzor. We, uh, I think he made reference to it. It's kind of like a Brazilian soccer player. You, you, you have the, the, the name Anzor. You don't need a whole lot else. There's, not, there's only one. Uh, but Anzor Gachetchilatse. Very good. Very impressive. Did, did I get close? Extremely impressive. I got yes. close. Uh, I didn't quite have the Georgian accent, but that's okay. I have the Alabama accent. That's like one state close. over. Right? <laughs> Almost the same. <laughs> well, Anzor, first, welcome to the show this evening. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, guys. You've been doing home care for a while now. 15th year, yep. Which in our industry is yes. a good spell. I would say so, yes. yes. Well, there's a lot of people that come and go, um, and there are, in the Triangle area, uh, almost 200 licensed private duty companies in the area. Uh, there are very few that are at the scale and size that yours is. I mean, that's just a fact. You can pull the math up on that one. That's not my opinion. That's a, right. There are a few that are, are on the larger scale. Um, most of them are much smaller operations. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> I would agree with you. Have, yeah. You have an office uh, in Chapel Hill, I you do, have one yes. in Cary. We do have two offices, one in Chapel Hill, one in Cary. We actually have three other offices, satellite offices, in uh, in residential communities, in independent living communities like Waltonwood, Atria, uh, Jordan Oaks, uh, Woodland Terrace. So you really have you have a lot of depth across the, the triangle. One of the things that continues to come up is, uh, at least that I'm hearing from the caregivers that I, I work with and some of the communities that I work with, is that there's an idea that home care is home care is home care. Uh, that if you've seen one home care provider, you've seen them all, and that really what we're competing on is essentially the price per hour. Uh, are you seeing that as well, and how does that resonate with you? Well, just just with, with everything else, some you know people compete on price, and that's uh, you know to some people, unfortunately, price is the most important thing. Which you know, I try to explain to our clients when I have an opportunity to speak with them, and when they ask, you know, when it comes to the price, they ask, "So, how much you charge?" And they, you know, typically they say, "Well, that's that's more than you know the couple other agencies that I spoke with," and why is that? So, you know. It is, uh, we, we do charge more, and unfortunately in this business, you can't run the business and cut the corners. It is not the kind of business where you can just shave off your little expense here and there and save on paying people less or save on not paying for training or not having trainings with caregivers. Those are areas that we spend most amount of money on, and that's, in my view, that's what makes us uh, maybe step ahead of the game and a little bit uh, better than than some others because we constantly invest in our caregivers. So one of the most common calls that we receive at Transition Scouting Lights has to do with families requesting in-home care. And oftentimes they ask us, you know, do we keep a private list of certified nursing assistants that are not affiliated with a company? And then sometimes we get questions about, well, I talked to this company and they're a registry. Can you tell me how that may be different? And at Transition Scouting Lights, we only vet licensed private duty home care providers. We do not allow, um, we do not give referrals to registries or individuals. Talk to us about some of the pitfalls of a registry and, and how somebody may know. Because a lot of times when families are calling these places, they don't even realize that they're not calling a, a licensed home care agency and that right. it's actually a registry. So what are some questions that folks should ask if they're trying to vet a home care agency for their loved one? Well, first question, of course, would be, you know, straight up question. Are you a home care licensed home care agency or you are a registry? Uh, registries uh, are not licensed home care agencies. State does not regulate registries. Uh, and the reason why is a little difference, the very small difference between home care and registries is that registries have a list of caregivers that are CNAs or non-CNAs. And if you ask for home care, they will provide a, either a list or they will say, well, here's Susie and Susie will take good care of you. So it looks and feels like home care then. Absolutely. The, the only little problem is, a little difference is that the registries don't actually employ these people. What these do you people, mean by that? These people are all um, contractors. And as contractors, they are not W-2 employees. So they're 1099. They are 1099 contractors, which means that they don't have to necessarily do, uh, you know, they... they 
companies cannot, for, first of all, they cannot uh, supervise them. They, they don't have to train them. They don't have to do any of those things that we home care agencies do with our caregivers. Uh, they're not supposed to tell them what time they need to go to the client, what time they need to leave, what they need to be doing at the client's. This is all between the caregiver and the client. So the, the caregiver is now on the hook for managing this person. And is, what happens if that person calls out? Client is, yes, client manages the person. Basically, that's what it is. So the management part of it is transferred to the client. Because if, if I'm a registry and I, I don't have, you know, you are not my, my caregiver, you are a contractor that I, you know, I told you, hey, you know, go take care of, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. Smith, then it, it is between Mr. and Mrs. Smith and this caregiver too to determine what time she needs to come, what she needs to do. If she makes an error, who is responsible for this? If she gets hurt, who is responsible for uh, doctor's bills? Who is responsible for paying taxes? All of those questions it is all between the caregiver and the client so i guess one of the 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 biggest pieces for me that's really confusing about this is um you know at guiding lights we have a a nursing assistant school and we train people to become certified nursing assistants in that training they are not trained on how to make an assessment and make a decision about what type of care and how it should be provided a, a plan of care and so i'm just kind of wondering how it could even be legal for a certified nursing assistant to be hired under their license to provide care for an older adult with a chronic condition that needs assistance with activities of daily living without first being assessed by an rn because it's beyond their scope of their license so from a from a a legal perspective, I also think that if that individual actually has their license as a CNA, they're putting themselves at risk. Well, you can argue that, yes, there is a lot of gray area there, and that's that's the reason why uh, why it is concerning to, to us, home care agencies, that there are um, registries out there that send people to people's homes because there is a lot of gray, gray area. What happens if, you know, as I said, what happens if the caregiver gets sick? Who is responsible for replacement? In my world, in home care world, if one of my caregivers gets sick and she can't get to, to work today, it is not acceptable for me to call the client and say, well, sorry, your caregiver is sick, nobody's going to be coming today. That is not going to happen. We have to find a replacement no matter what happens. Uh, and that's one of the biggest differences in, um, in operating home care agency versus, versus registries. Uh, another, uh, you know, as I men- mentioned earlier, uh, liabilities. When you when you send a caregiver uh, to your client and caregiver is not insured and doesn't have any you know workers' compensation, doesn't pay taxes, who's responsible for that? That's another gray area, of course. That is the voice of Anzor Gachechilatze, and we will continue our conversation with him. He is the owner and president of Home Watch Caregivers of the Triangle, and we're talking all about home care. It's a fascinating discussion. Stick around for more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights and Cooper Linton from Transitions Life Care, 
Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and Cooper Linton and our guest this evening. He is Anzor Gachechilatse, and he is the owner and president of HomeWatch Caregivers of the Triangle. And Cooper, we're having this discussion on uh, on home care, and then um, you know we, we we're also talking a little bit about home health, and I, I still get confused about. Uh, uh, what home care is and isn't in relation to home health. You are not alone, Jason. Um, first, most people are confused about it. I will say that even many people within the healthcare profession are confused about where home health, Medicare or Medicaid certified home health, starts and stops, and where does licensed home care, sometimes known as private duty care, uh, come in. And, and I actually uh, flinch a little bit when I hear the term private duty because in North Carolina, there is a Medicaid program known as private duty, which has absolutely nothing to do with home care. Uh, so we just want to make sure our listeners are totally confused. If you are, uh, please call Jason at home and complain. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm just here to help. Um, but there is a difference. Medicare home health is related to what Medicare calls a skill. A skill could be a nursing skill. Uh, it's, it's an activity or a function that requires the skill of a nurse, a physical therapist, a speech-language pathologist, which we used to call speech therapists, or the ongoing needs of an occupational therapist, which, let's be honest, doesn't always deal with occupations. They deal really with more of uh, fine motor skills, uh, and uh, the activities or functions of daily living. So we're talking about a set of very prescribed activities that require licensed personnel under the direction of a physician for patients that are homebound, meaning they have a reasonable inability to leave home for a long duration without assistance. So that's a very precise definition. Do you have a? Do you, are you similarly constrained in home care, or is it a little broader? No, not at all. In in home care, there is no physician's orders. There is no um, you know no such thing. But I just wanted to go back to definition of home health and just say you know this is how I explain to to our clients. Typically, home health um, you are entitled to have home health after hospitalizations, after episodes of being in a hospital for, um, you know, say you had, you had a stroke and you are recovering. So after the stroke, you may go to, uh, to rehab, uh, depending on the severity of it, right? You go to rehab for a few weeks, then you go home, and when you go home, that's when home health um, kicks in. So basically, they continue your rehab at home by, as you said, you know, by engaging physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists. Uh, maybe if you have a wound, maybe a wound uh, care is needed and, um, you know, a registered nurse will come uh, two or three times a week kind of a thing. And as you are receiving these services, this, these skilled services, you are also entitled to have a, uh, sometimes people call it a bath aid. Uh, home health aide who would come and help uh, help you with bathing. And but they're not going to come in for three and four hours at a stint. No, not at all, because they have, you know, 10, 12 patients they need to visit today. So they they go, you know, from 7 a.m. until 3, 4 p.m., and they just spend, spend their 30 minutes, an hour, 45 minutes, 
help you with the bath, um, and they off to the next next patient. Well, and families are quite frustrated oftentimes with home health because they view it as a break. But the reality of it is, is that it's it's kind of like, and no offense to home health, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like when you get a window of time when your cable man's going to come. Yeah. I'll be here between twelve and three at some point for twenty minutes to do your exactly. <laughs> to do. So families are often frustrated, thinking that their home health aide isn't showing up on time or their therapy isn't showing up on time. But the reality of it is, they see X number of patients mm-hmm. rapid fire throughout the day. There is no on time. They, right. Nobody, nobody will ever tell you I'll be there at eleven o'clock and, it's, and, and it's, we'll it's, show up at eleven o'clock. That's and it's just, not a respite for the family correct. either. It's, no, it's, it's really truly there to provide typically some sort of a restorative type care. Exactly. Yes. And we're only talking about that aid coming in probably two to three times a week. Now, sometimes it's more than that, but more commonly, more commonly two or three. That aid is coming in two times, three times a week, as opposed to home care, which can be as much as twenty four seven. That is correct. Yeah. So. Home care, basically, and what the home home care is, as you said, you know, we are non-skilled, non-medical care. So our caregivers, certified nursing assistants, they come out and they can spend as little as hour or uh, twenty four hours a day with uh, with clients. There is no doctor's orders required. Um, our services can overlap with home health services um you know as you're receiving home health at, at it home complements actually it complements yes exactly so you know this as we said bath aid comes for for an hour maybe but you know what do you do for 23 other hours of the day how do you manage your your life if you don't have anybody that you know can help you at home that's when home care you know is is very useful helpful and it is um you know as i said doesn't require any type of um you know doctor's orders you just call the company talk to the company you pick one that you are comfortable with and uh, typically um, assessment is required by a nurse a company nurse will come out and do an assessment just to learn about the patient learn about what it is that we are uh, trying to accomplish here what are the goals and um, we typically we start services within a day or two. So one of the things that I've always admired about the home care agencies, especially the good ones, uh, is that they really try to work hand in hand as a community-based care provider with the continuum of care. So they often are are really there many more hours than your home health or your hospice. They're usually there, you know, if, if somebody needs some assistance in assisted living because they're having some sort of a behavioral type issue for extended hours. They're there in nursing homes sometimes to provide some additional care. And I think, you know, families can utilize them really to be some additional eyes and ears when they can't be there at times. And I I, I even recall at times some of the home care providers would be at the bedside in a hospital because, Mm -hmm. you know, none of us, any of us, I don't care what age you are, should be left alone in a hospital without somebody there if you're not with it. And these days, if you're in a hospital, you're not with it <laughs> there's no reason you'd be That's, admitted otherwise that is true yes well i'll actually speak to that from a personal note i had a loved one um in a uh, hospital for an extended period of time following uh, a very significant neurological event and there were family members who came to help me and we all took turns being at the hospital but there were a couple days when i had to be away from the hospital on business and my family members could not all just give up their lives and come live in in the raleigh durham market for forever Uh, so i hired a private agency to have a caregiver sitting in my loved one's room at the hospital 
and with very strict instructions that if something looks odd, you're getting interesting, you're having an unusual conversation with the staff here, there's a change in my loved one's condition, please call my cell phone immediately. Mm -hmm. And that was the primary function. They acted as an extension of my eyes, ears, and awareness while we were in the acute setting. And people said, well, that's overkill. Um, It really wasn't. I've got to admit, it really wasn't overkill. It is a peace of mind, right? It was peace of mind that you can go and do your your work and sit down and concentrate on other things knowing that your loved one was taken care of. That's what you, you you were talking about earlier. How much does that cost? What's, what's, what's it worth to have a peace of mind that your loved one is taken care of? To me, it's, it's priceless. Well, I, I think it also, when we look at caregivers, and that's so much of what this show is about, is that caregiver who is burdened most of the time with trying to have a professional life, uh, who may well be taking care of children at home, and also taking care of a loved one. The average age of a caregiver in the United States is 49. Most 49-year-olds are still in the workforce. They may be full-time, they may be part-time, but they're trying to do something professionally or to make a living. And they're also in the business of taking care of someone else. It may be their spouse, it may be their children, or it could be simply taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. But either way, you're now torn in your attention, the number of hours that you have, How do you balance that, and how do you find an extension to your own capacity for care that includes elements of safety, uh, attention to medication, uh, issues related to those activities of daily living that Nicole talked about earlier? You can't just do that through asking the neighbor to come by or somebody from your local faith community to stick their head in. (laughs) Right, you can get help for a little while, but this is a marathon, not a sprint, and as the, the period of time gets longer the need for professional help goes up. So uh, I think it's very important to understand the differences between home health and home care and that they're complementary. And I just wanted to publicly thank you, Anzer, for your support of our caregiver summits. You've been Absolutely. a you've been a sponsor of our summits for as long as I've I've dared one. to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> so so, yeah. so thank you for that very Absolutely. much. We talk Absolutely. about the summits a lot on this show. Our pleasure. He is Anzer Gacce He is the owner and president of HomeWatch Caregivers of the Triangle. And you can find more information at HomeWatchCaregivers.com. Is that the website? That is correct. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us Absolutely this evening. Absolutely. My great pleasure. Discussion. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. We'll be right back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co hosts, Nicole Claykett and Cooper Linton. Here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and Cooper Linton, and we're talking all about home care here this evening. And uh, Cooper, uh, we've talked a little bit this evening about... um, who pays for this and how it can be paid for. Uh, but let's, let's spend a little bit more time here uh, fleshing that out. So folks get a little spooked when we start talking about how do things get paid for. Uh, and we love it when the federal government pays for something or state government pays for something and we end up with little or no copay. That's just not always the case. For example, if you need to make a home modification so that your home is safer to stay in and that you can therefore stay at home less expensively than you might stay somewhere else, 
with rare, rare exception, no one's going to pay for that. You're going to have to pay for that out of your pocket. And most of what we spoke uh, with the gentleman from HomeWatch about was privately paying for home care services. But there's also, and, and I mentioned this in the first segment, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which we think of as the, the federal government's agency that runs Medicare and Medicaid, has expanded the definition of what what they call primarily health-related. Now, what that means is this: with this new definition, CMS is going to allow certain supplemental benefits um, if they compensate for physical impairments and diminish the impact of injuries or health conditions and or avoid or reduce emergency care utilization. So that's the language for Medicare where they are expanding the role of Medicare Advantage to incorporate elements of home care under certain circumstances. So it sounds like that's going to start happening in 2019. It's a little ways off. And I, but I'm wondering, I mean, anything that has to do with the government gets to be complicated and with lots of red tape. No, so. <laughs> it's why home care, the definition for home health, excuse me, as we talked earlier, where we discussed homebound status, where we discussed skilled care, what does skilled care mean, what, how does that involve therapies. None of this is simple. And with respect to these Medicare Advantage plans, all the details are a long way from being ironed out as to how Medicare Advantage plans may choose, mm. doesn't mean they're going to, may choose to incorporate home care into the benefits that they provide their Medicare recipients and again, that figure is about roughly one-third of Medicare recipients in the triangle area, the larger triangle area, are on some form of Medicare Advantage plan. So when it comes down to time for open enrollment this October... I wouldn't get too excited about it in October. It might come about through then, by then, and it would be a great question for you to pose. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Should folks say, hey, do you know if your plan is considering... I would always ask, because yeah. if nothing else, it may encourage them to consider incorporating that in the future. Uh, so uh, all of these organizations respond to customers. They want your business. Mm -hmm. And if they know that that's something you value through the questions you ask of them, you're better off. Now, one thing we haven't talked about at all is Medicaid. Mm -hmm. We've talked very much about Medicare. We've talked about paying out of your own pocket, um, what, what we sometimes call the, the Visa and MasterCard approach to health care. <laughs> Uh, Which you, one's Visa? Which one's MasterCard? Yeah, they're they're going to get your money either way. The bill's coming to your house. But Medicaid in North Carolina, and remember, Medicaid is unique state by state. There are certain federal guidelines they have to follow. They have to get certain waivers for certain programs state by state. But in North Carolina, there are some programs that cover in-home custodial care for what we'll sometimes call private duty or home care services, where companies such as HomeWatch, who was the gentleman with us today, uh, may, may be able to offer those services. But there are quite a number of companies out there that actually specialize in providing Medicare programs. The trick is, uh, unfortunately, that the reimbursement rate back to these companies is really not good. It's See? very meager. So sometimes, I mean, families really need to do quite a bit of shopping around to make sure that they're going to get the quality that they're hoping. Well, and, and this program is called Medicaid PCS. Again, we're never going to make it through a show without throwing out an acronym. <laughs> PCS, meaning personal care services. 
Um, and there's some other programs as well, but just for simplicity today, we'll call it Medicaid, PCS, personal care services. And, and Nicole, you're absolutely right. The reimbursement model is incredibly low. Now, we've seen those figures tick up a little bit mm-hmm. over the last year or so, but it's still a much lower level of reimbursement. And what happens from, from that, the consequence of that is we're really not able, the Medicaid uh, accepting providers, the ones that will bill Medicaid for these services, mm-hmm. aren't able to provide what I would consider a livable wage mm-hmm. to their staff. And they can't do the extra things like Anza was talking about, robust training for their staff, all the different pieces that make, while they're not reimbursable, the organization really flourish and make their certified nursing assistants be the best they can be. Well, and I sometimes hear criticism of the organizations that take Medicaid and they say, well, they don't do this extra and they don't do that extra. <laughs> well, you have to live within your means. Mm-hmm. And these companies are not setting the price. They're right. not billing the client. They're billing Medicaid. They're accepting the price Medicare, excuse me, Medicaid sets. And they have to figure out how to run their business within some very meager margins. And I actually know some of the owners who will at times accept Medicaid patients at a loss mm-hmm. simply because it's compassionate on their side. They're trying to do compassionate care mm-hmm. of someone knowing that they're going to lose money. And I don't want people to get all excited listening to this. You, know, you may have a loved one on Medicaid, or maybe you think, geez, mom just spends down a little bit of this money she can get on Medicaid, and then we'll get 24-7 care. That's not what not this is. Get a very care under Medicaid. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of incredibly unusual programs under Medicaid that we're not even discussing no, today where that might money. be possible. But realistically, uh, we're talking a few hours a day at most. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that you guys kind of hinted at this, but that, that, kind of doesn't hit the expectations that people have i mean or they, the needs right? frankly uh, yeah that's the problem it's, it's not beyond yeah it's not just what do i want if i'm trying to work 40 hours a week and let's be honest a lot of us are working 40 50 55 60 hours a week you're putting in a lot of hours that's great but who's taking care of the person that you're not at home with uh, or whose home you're not checking in on if they're still trying to live independently you know, we were looking at some statistics yesterday, Nicole, where uh, 24 hours is the average number of caregiving hours that a caregiver provides in a week. 24 hours a week. And that's just the average. So there's obviously people that provide way more than that amount of time. And so it's, I mean, yeah, picture the average 49-year-old also on top of everything else providing 24 hours of care. For a loved one, and, and maybe more than one loved one, so then you multiply it. Well, it can, it can <laughs> the, the number can go up quickly. You're talking over 1,200 hours per year. Uncom- uncompensated it's care. totally uncompensated care. And so how do you find ways to stretch that person, allow them to not have the caregiver stress? And we, and we know that in North Carolina, 10% of the caregivers are looking at making job changes to accommodate their caregiver needs. And so what's 10%? 10% of the caregivers in North Carolina is over 120,000 people. Wow. So it's worse than a pay raise. It's, it's a, you lose oh, money it's, in doing this. Well, and employers who are working with employees who are torn between home and work, frankly, are losing some of the cognitive engagement mm-hmm. and attention of their employees. So looking at home care as an extension of this is critical, knowing that there may be some changes in the Medicare system coming forward. I know this isn't the the most exciting, sexy topics out there, (laughs) but this is one of those things that's about 
getting your loved one taken care of and finding ways financially to make it happen. So Medicare may be an option in the future. Medicaid pays for a little bit of this care. For most people, it's going to be private out of pocket, probably ranging anywhere between 20 to $25 an hour. And then for some folks, private long-term care insurance covers that as well. So, um, And you really need to check with your long-term care yeah. policy and carrier to see if that works. Yeah, those are some great tips. And again, there was a lot of great information packed into this episode. And if you missed any of it or joined us halfway through, I want to encourage you to head over to WPTF.com, head over to the Aging Matters section, and there you'll find this episode along with past episodes that we've done uh, to help you get caught up and get you informed. Because as, as we've said many times, the world of caregiving is, is complex and there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I want to encourage anyone who wants more information, head over to the WPTF.com Aging Matters page. I want to thank our guest this evening, Anzor Gacha Chilatse, owner and president of the Home Watch Caregivers of the Triangle. Oh, a wonderful guest, and we really thank him for his time. Well, we are out of time ourselves. We hope you'll join us again next week for Aging Matters, Care and Comfort that Surrounds You, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, Care and Comfort that Surrounds You on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.